This episode of the Productivityist Podcast is brought to you by NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the business management software that handles every aspect of your business in an easy-to-use cloud platform, giving you the visibility and control you need to grow. Now stick around during this episode of the podcast to get an exclusive special offer from NetSuite. I'm going to share that with you during this episode, so make sure you're listening for that. This episode of the Productivity is Podcast is brought to you by Blinkist. Blinkist is made for busy people like you and like me. I'm going to share with you how I use Blinkist, why you should use Blinkist, and some of the things that I haven't talked about regarding Blinkist before in past episodes, why it's such an indispensable reading tool for me. It, there's so much I'm going to talk about during this episode, so you're going to want to stick around for that because there's a special offer I've got for Productivity is Podcast listeners as well. But let's halt that for now and get on with the show, shall we? Let's go. Welcome to the Productivityist Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Vardy, and this week on the show, I am joined by Ashley Hansberger. She's an award-winning branded business innovator, and she's got this book that she's co-wrote called Rare Breed. And I'm excited to have the chance to chat with her about what is a rare breed? What makes a rare breed? Uh, she's actually been named by Inc. Magazine as one of the top 30 under 30 coolest entrepreneurs in America as well. And she's the co-founder and chief of strategy at Motto, a leading branding and digital agency that builds brands for emerging challengers and global brands who want to change the game in their industry. And her first book is called Rare Breed as I just mentioned. It's a guide to success for the defiant, dangerous, and different, and it's an unorthodox business book. So the unorthodox part I definitely wanted to get into today, and it's for the rebels, outsiders, and provocateurs, anyone with the ambition to lead, create, inspire, and provoke change on your own terms by owning who you are. She lives in New York City, and she joins me today on the show. I'm really excited to have her. We have a lot to get to, so let's just get to our conversation about being a rare breed. This is my conversation with Ashley Hansberger here on the Productivityist Podcast. I'd like to welcome Ashley Hansberger to the Productivityist Podcast. Ashley, thanks for joining me today. Mike, thanks for having me. Now, I want to talk about um, a bunch of stuff with you today. We had a, a chance to chat just beforehand, um, just about what it is that that you like to focus on and the kind of work that you do. Um, but I want to talk initially about um, the book, the book Rare Breed, A Guide to Success for the Defiant, Dangerous, and Different. I'm a big fan of alliteration, so that worked out really well for me. <laughs> <laughs> I want to kind of dig into the, the the who you're targeting with this because it's like the idea of the defiant, dangerous, and different. To some people, that is um, that's scary to be able to to to. They may have all of that in them, but they don't necessarily um, you know display it uh, or or um, you know foster that because they're like, okay, well, I live in a world where to do that. Um, there's a lot of risk involved and, and, and I could end up finding myself, uh, going down a path that, uh, is not necessarily going to be the most beneficial. So why was it important for you to first off, uh, target the people that, that fit that, that, you know, mantra of defiant, dangerous and different. And, and how do you encourage people that are kind of feeling that they are that way, uh, to be able to go down that path and say, Hey, look, no, this is a way you can be successful. Well, you know, we have been working with all kinds of different people over the past 15 years, um, entrepreneurs, 
leaders, even young people, younger people who don't have businesses already, who are maybe 19 and wondering if college is for them and what to do with the future of their lives. Or, you know, if they're 40 and they've got a leadership position, they, they're trying to figure out if they want to ditch their, ditch their job to start up their dream, right? So we've worked with all kinds of people across all kinds of different categories across all industries. And the one thing that we often find is that people are just stuck. And they're stuck for a lot of different reasons. I believe it's because for, you know, for many years, most of us, you know, since we've been growing up have always been taught that we've got to do things a certain way. We have to kind of stay in a certain lane. We have to follow a certain type of path. And I think learning that as you start to become who you are in life can hold you back in a lot of ways. And you start to feel like you are doing things just because that's the way you think they need to be done, or just because that's what everybody else expects of you. So really, Rare Breed is a book about helping you harness the things that make you different and the things that society often tells you are your weaknesses and your shortcomings and your flaws and your failures and learning how to leverage those things to succeed. So it's like leaning more into who you are in order to reach that next level. Okay. So this brings something to mind immediately uh, with regards to imposter syndrome. So I think mm. that, yeah, so, <laughs> you know, so I, uh, you know, you know, as I started my own venture with, with, with my company and with the, the kind of things that I do, I had a lot of people that were, you know, first off that were encouraging, but then there's also this, this, um, there's a lot of people in my space, right? And then you see things like books that they bring out and, and things that, that you see on social media. And again, I'm, I'm not the only one I'm sure that feels this way, but all of a sudden you're like, oh man, who am I to do this? Uh, you know, uh, oh, what's the point of doing this because someone else has already done it? Or uh, I don't nearly have the credibility that this person does, or I don't have the resources or whatever. How does, how does what, the work that you do, both it's stuff that you talk about in the book and then with your company, help people that deal with things like imposter syndrome when they're, when they're so close to being able to embrace their, 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 the fact that they're a rare breed and, and get this, this, this one thing or these little things, these biases that show up, uh, keep them from really realizing that and then going for it. Well, I, I think self-doubt is just a thing that tends to hold most people back. You know, it's what right do I have to do this? It's like you said, it's already been done before. How am I going to do it any different or better or anything like that? And I think that it, it's not to me, I, I believe that anybody can be doing anything regardless of how much competition there is, regardless of how many other podcasts there are out there, regardless of how many other businesses there are um, in a certain space. Like you can always bring your little spin to it and make it yours. But I think a lot of people forget that and we just get held up in this idea that we're not good enough or you know, somebody can do it better than we can, or we're, we're trying to kind of model after um, someone else's success. And that just becomes, you know, this, this vicious cycle of, um, of following instead of leading. And I just think that, you know, we need to be able to realize and become more self-aware about the unique things that we can individually bring to the world. Use those things, learn that there are gifts, right? And learn how to, to embrace them about ourselves, learn how to celebrate them about ourselves, and then figure out ways to do it in ways that make it uniquely your own. 
managing passwords can be a real headache, right? Think about it. Every website requires a new password. Each one needs to be unique, secure, and somehow memorable. But there's a better way. Welcome to the world of 1Password, where your entire company can generate strong, unique passwords, store them securely, and access them across any device without ever needing a reset. Imagine never having to click Forgot Password again. With 1Password's award-winning design, managing passwords becomes a breeze for you and your entire team. It's trusted by millions, including top companies like IBM and Slack. Here's the best part. My listeners can try 1Password for free for two weeks. Right now, get your free trial at onepasswordcom slash Productive Convo. Secure your passwords and simplify your online security with 1Password. Meal planning is important because it prevents us from being a disappointed wreck when dinner time comes around and we have no clue what to make or even if we have the ingredients to make the meal. It's a time and a money saver, but most importantly, it frees up valuable brain space. Creating a meal plan prepares us for the week to come and gives us peace of mind that we're organized and can feed ourselves and our family. That's why I do it and that's why Plan to Eat helps me do it. Your subscription includes access to the Plan to Eat website and fully featured mobile apps on iOS and Android. And Plan to Eat gives you the tools to clip and organize recipes from any website, the ones your family loves and that fit your dietary preferences and needs. And you can create a meal plan around your schedule. Then what happens is the Plan to Eat software automatically creates an organized shopping list based on your plan. So sign up for your free trial at plantoeat.com slash timecrafting. That's plantoeat.com forward slash timecrafting. The coupon will be automatically applied to your account and can be used when you're ready to subscribe. It's valid for new customers only. Give Plan to Eat a try today. Okay, we're going to take a break from the proceedings to talk about one of our sponsors for this episode, NetSuite by Oracle. Now, I'm running a growing business. And if you're running a growing business, if you don't know the numbers, then you don't know your business. It's one of the cardinal sins that new business owners make and even seasoned business owners make. And the problem growing businesses have, the things that keep them from knowing their numbers, it's really the hodgepodge of business systems that they have in place. They've got one system for accounting, another for sales, another for inventory, and so on. It's just a really big inefficient mess. And it really takes up too much time and too many resources. What does that do? Well, it hurts the bottom line. Well, with NetSuite, You save time, money, and unneeded headaches by managing sales, finance, and accounting, orders in HR instantly, right from your desktop or your phone. That's why NetSuite is the world's number one cloud business system. Now, I've worked with clients through my coaching practice that use NetSuite for their business, and they weren't using it right away. They jumped in, and one of the things that they really loved about it was the saved search option. So what that does is anything that you want to be commonly looking for, you basically create a saved search, and it allows you to get access to it quickly and easily. And the other thing that one client in particular really enjoyed was the fact that you have granularity with your permissions. So you can get really deep in the weeds and and get very particular about who can access what, how they can access it so much more. There are a lot of things that NetSuite offers. That's why thousands of the best known brands and fastest growing companies use NetSuite to manage their business. Now it's available to you. You'll learn how to optimize processes, drive operational excellence, sell across more channels, and much more. NetSuite will help you do that. And NetSuite's offering something exclusive to productivity podcast listeners like you. Right now, NetSuite is offering productivity podcast listeners the free guide, seven key strategies to grow your profits. 
All you need to do is go to netsuite.com slash timecrafting and you can download the free guide. Again, netsuite.com slash timecrafting. Get that free guide, seven key strategies to grow your profits and start growing your profits today. I'd like to thank NetSuite for sponsoring this episode of the Productivities Podcast. Now let's get back to the show. So let's say you're a person who, when you're, you know, you go through the book or, or you, you just feel this way that like, you know, I'm, I'm different. And, and I think that my t- talents and my skills and my knowledge can be used differently and in a better way by the company I work for, big or small. Right. Yep. How do you, how do you get them to either broach that with, uh, and again, we were talking a little bit before, um, the show about the, the, the greatest show, the greatest showman. And there's a scene, and this is a different scene that we were talking about before we jumped on the air, but the scene where, uh, P.T. Barnum is working for the shipping company and he sees something outside and he goes up to the boss and says, hey, I have this great idea and my name is P.T. Barnum and he does all these things. He's, he realizes that he's not the guy that can just sit there and, and you know, push papers all day long. He, he's, he's got vision. How do you help companies or how, how can companies um, and individuals kind of leverage these these rare breeds so that they can make make a difference and make things make things matter and better for for the companies that they work for. Well, this is a really interesting question because most companies and most businesses don't like the rebel, right? We we say that we want, you know, bold ideas, we need fresh thinking, we need all these things. Yet when someone within an organization kind of rises to the challenge, you know, they tend to get shut down because of the risk and the audacity that that tends to be within some of these these ideas and some of this new way of of doing something differently. And I think a lot of people within organizations who are not um, the type of organizations that really re- embrace rebellious thinking or audacious ideas or things like that, they have a hard time living up to their potential within those organizations. And it's usually why they have to go and start their own thing. Um, I, I think that there are opportunities for a lot of um, a lot of these people to thrive within organizations, but they also have to be supported by leadership. And it's really a leadership mindset shift that has to occur to say, you know what, we've been doing something this way for so long. And what happens is you just start resting on your laurels. And those businesses are usually finding themselves struggling for relevancy, struggling to survive in some instances, because there is a ceiling to the way that they think about what they're capable of doing. And they're not willing to risk the safety net for the greater reward. So I think it first starts from, um, you know, it is a ground up thing, oftentimes, depending on the type of culture an organization or a business has. Uh, So I like to, I like to, you know, I like to push those things. I think all companies need people like that within their businesses to shake things up and sort of rattle, rattle the cages, so to speak, um, because that's how businesses stay relevant. It's how businesses continue to come to the market with fresh ideas and new thinking and and inspiring um, differences that ultimately can make a, a big difference in what they're doing. Um, but it's 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 tough because you know not all companies are accepting of that. And they tend to push that out and kind of stay stay stuck in the mud, so to speak. Well, and a lot of those things tend to stem, and I talk about quantitative and qualitative productivity. And, and the, the ideas of risk and doing bold things often fall into the, the time being spent 
on qualitative things. You don't know what the, you can't quantify what the outcome is necessarily going to be. And, and I find that some people, it, big businesses and even individuals, they focus more on the, the smaller things, the, the quick wins, the things that will check off as many boxes as possible, as opposed to taking those, those bigger projects, those bigger ideas, those bigger concepts, and kind of trying to make something more out of them. Uh, when, it, when it comes to, uh, again, people going out on their own, forging out on their own, um, what, what do you recommend uh, that someone who is feeling like, you know what, I'm stuck here. I can't do it within this. I've tried everything. I've gone to the company and they've, they've been really receptive to my ideas. Um, but then when push comes to shove, nothing happens. I'm ready to right. forge out on my own. How do you help them navigate those waters? Do you help them navigate those waters actually? And how can, how can they, how can they kind of say, okay, you know what, I'm ready to take the leap. Uh, who boy, here we go. Now, what do I do? <laughs> yeah, man, that is such a personal thing, you know, and it's so hard to be, it's so much easier said than done, right? I, I was the kind of person who, when we started Motto, I was 22, we had 250 bucks, I had dropped out of college, I had nothing to lose. But, you know, there's a lot of people with families and, and, and partners and kids and mortgages and all kinds of stuff that, you know, they're, 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 their financial well-being is secured by the job that they have. Right. And there's a lot of fear around losing all of that um, because it, it does take a long time, most of the time, to, to start up and to start thriving and to start earning money and, you know, starting a new business is scary as hell. Um, so it's not, it's not, I don't think it's always the best decision for everyone. I think it depends on what your vision is, what you want out of your life. You know, if you've been in a job for five years and you just can't get any further, yeah, I would think that it's time to think about another way to do it. But that could mean um, going to a different company with a totally different mindset and a way of looking at things and a way and a totally different culture that really allows you to thrive. I don't necessarily think it's always about skipping ship and, and doing your own thing. Um, it does work for those people who are true entrepreneurs. But but if you're not, and you, you feel you're, you can thrive more working for a company, I would, I would really highly recommend getting within a company that, that matches your values and kind of has that same spirit that you do so that you're not continuously pushing against your wall. I want to circle back to the idea of vision and values and spirit in, in a little bit, but I, what I want to get to here, and I think this is something that doesn't get touched on enough, is the importance of, of a support system for people who are considered to be rare breeds. The idea of mm -hmm. having both both professionally and personally those who are going to be in their court. Uh, how do you... Um, how do you help foster those relationships and how do you find them? Cause I think that, that, that in, uh, there's gotta be other people that are, that are either a feeling the same way that you do. If you're a rare breed in, in your situation, in your company, in your environment, but there's also gotta be those who admire that and say, Hey, you know, here's how I can, I can help you. Here's how I can, I can make it so that you're not feeling as, um, lost or stuck. Uh, yeah. On that a bit. Yeah, I would love to, I, you know, it's, it's, it's really hard. It's even hard for, for me personally. Um, you know, I think that finding people who will unconditionally support you and who, who have your back and, and all of that is really important to do, but I think it's, it's rare. <laughs> you know, most people exist in the world for themselves. 
they they put themselves first, right? They care about their own well-being. And and sometimes it's harder to just to exert your energy in supporting someone else. Um, but I think that there are there are communities, there are tribes out there, there are like your you've got to find your people. But I, I tend to think and I, I my personal experience is that your people is usually a small group. You know, I, I don't like expecting that everybody kind of is going to come come to your side when you need them. I have found that not to be the case at all um, because they're more concerned with their their own lives and, and rightfully so in, in many instances. But, you know, for me, we've found groups like, you know, the YEC, the Young Entrepreneurs Organization and, and places like that who who we feel like our peers, you know, there's a select group of people in there who we've built really close relationships with. I know if I have a problem with something or I need help with something, I can, I can pick up that phone and I can call them and they can give me um, genuine help and advice, even if it's just for 15 minutes. So, you know, it is definitely about kind of seeking those people. You cannot do it alone. You know, there's, uh, (laughs) uh, it is already a very lonely thing to do is kind of doing your own thing, whether that is um, you're an entrepreneur, you're starting a business, you run a small business, you run a large company and you're a CEO, anything at the top in my experience is, is quite lonely. Um, there looks to be a lot of glitz and glamour around it and man, high speed all the time. There's so much hustle. There's so much buzz. There's so much, you know, money in many instances, but at the end of the day, um, it's, it is quite lonely. So I do think, you know, finding those, finding the, the people who you can count on. And even if it's just one, you know, that's okay. Uh, but it's, you can't do it alone. Um, so you do have to, to search that out and, and make sure that you do have a support system. Have you found in your work that when you find those rare breed folks in companies, when one of them steps out, others tend to follow? Sometimes, but there's also... Are you a small business owner struggling to find the right talent for your team? I've been there and I know how challenging it can be. That's why I recommend LinkedIn Jobs. It's not just any job board. It's a community where you can find professionals who are the perfect fit for your business, many of whom aren't checking other job sites. In fact, 70% of LinkedIn users aren't visiting other leading job sites, making LinkedIn your best bet for finding top talent. With LinkedIn jobs, you can post your job and reach qualified candidates quickly. 86% of small businesses find a qualified candidate within 24 hours. And now, you can post your job for free at linkedin.com slash conversation. That's right, for free. Don't miss out on finding top talent. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash conversation today. Terms and conditions apply. You know, like I, I go back to this idea, it's, it's risky being out there, you know, like it's it's risk to kind of put your neck out and say, oh, I'm standing up for this idea or this is what I believe in or this is what I think that we should do. Um, I, I find it depends on how much influence you have, mm. you know, and your exec, your presence, your conviction and in, in what you're saying and what you believe in. Um, oftentimes if you're a hypnotic rare breed, right. If you have that, that charisma and that charm and, and that, that ability to really pull people together to your cause, then yes, you can rally people around you and you can start to feel more support of your team and you can get them to believe in your ideas and, and, and get them to ride with you um, instead of pulling them with you. That's really important. Um, but it's not always like that. Sometimes, you know, the ones who kind of, the ones who pioneer, the ones who step out are the ones that get the arrow in the back, unfortunately. Um, but it kind of, it, it's, yeah, it's, it's a tough one. It's both. 
Okay, we're going to take a break from the conversation now to talk about the sponsor for this episode, Blinkist. Blinkist is an indispensable app on my iPhone. It doesn't matter if you have an iPhone or not, it works on Android and all that stuff. I've got it on my iPad as well because I love to read what Blinkist has to offer on my iPad and I love to listen to what Blinkist has to offer on my iPhone. Now, what is Blinkist? Well, Blinkist is the only app that kind of distills these amazing nonfiction books, thousands of them, down to just 15 minutes so you can distill and, and get all of the great information in just that short period of time. You can read it, you can listen to it, you know, however you want to absorb uh, your books. You can join 8 million others that are doing the same thing. It, you know, you may not have time to read the entire book. I know I don't have time to read as many books as I'd like to. Blinkist has been part of my reading game for years. You know, I use, obviously, I read RSS feeds. I read, you know, um, news online. Uh, I have, uh, you know, blog posts I love to read. I have books I love to read. But when it podcasts, just like this one that I love to listen to, but Blinkist is part of that whole, you know, kind of learning spectrum when it comes to technology. I'm looking right now at my list of things in my Blinkist library, and there are tons of them. I've got highlights too. So the, the great thing about the, the library in Blinkist is that I can have some highlights in there of things that I really wanted to take with those key takeaways from different books. Books like 21 Lessons for the 21st Century, Daring Greatly by Brene Brown, First Things First, uh, Mindset, Start With Why, The Hard Thing things about hard things. Uh, then there's others that are out there. Uh, you know, I mean, Made to Stick is one of the ones that are in here. There's even Stoic pieces like On the Shortness of Life by Seneca, Ray Dalio's Principles. If you've ever looked at that book, it's massive. It's massive. But yet Blinkist has taken the key takeaways and brought them into their app. And, you know, when I'm looking at the exploration, there's these curated lists here as well. So if you not only want to pick out certain books that you want to read, but you're like, I don't know what I want to read. You can look at what the curated lists offer. Right now I'm looking at mine saying curated reads for entrepreneurs. So if you're an entrepreneur, you may want to check this out. New York Times bestsellers are listed here. Some of the ones listed here are Michelle Obama's Becoming, uh, Melinda Gates' The Moment of Lift. David Brooks wrote The Road to Character. His new book is The Second Mountain. I've added it to my Blinkist library just now because it's it's definitely one that I want to read. David Epstein's Range, uh, so many books. Uh, Michael Pollan's How to Change Your Mind. Uh, I could go on and on and on about everything that Blinkist has to offer. And I love it because I can, you know, when I'm on a plane, I can listen to books. I can listen to a ton of books. I've got a flight to Pittsburgh coming up. And I'm going to be able to listen to a ton of books on my flight from Seattle to Pittsburgh. That's what Blinkist has to offer me. And I know it can offer you the same. And there's an offer to get a seven-day free trial right now, thanks to Blinkist and the Productivities Podcast, which is the podcast you are actually listening to. So I want you to listen to some Blinkist books. I want you to read some Blinkists, as they call them, Blinks. Uh, the way you can do this is for a limited time, you can go to Blinkist.com slash timecrafting and get a free seven-day trial. You start that trial today, and then what you can do is maybe take a look at some of those curated lists, start to add books to your library, and then email me at podcast at productivityist.com. Say, hey, Mike, Here's what I subscribe to. Here's uh, here are some of the blinks that I've I've checked out. Uh, tell me whether you read them or whether you listened to them or how you absorb those blinks because I'd love to hear it from you. So again, get that seven day free trial today. Go to blinkist.com/timecrafting and get started today. Start using Blinkist. I know you'll love it. I do. It's been part of my reading regimen for years, and I want to be part of yours as well. I'd like to thank Blinkist for sponsoring this episode of the Productivityist Podcast. Now, let's get back to the show. 
I circle back to um, this thought. It's going through my head since we basically started talking about the people who uh, the idea of risk and that these are the way things have always gone. And we're not we want to see ideas come to the fore and we want to drive innovation and we want to see your big ideas. I keep coming back to the story. And for those who've listened to me for a while, they know I'm a pro wrestling fan. You may not know this, actually, but I am a pro wrestling fan. And the WWE, which used to be known as the WWF, has been the big dog for a long time. And one of their former wrestlers just decided uh, it would be, you know, I guess in late 2018, early 2019 to start his own uh, organization with a, with another person. And they, because they, they had a vision of what what the good old days or what wrestling could be again. And they felt that WWE's kind of gotten away from it. And, and there's a huge buzz around all elite wrestling now, because now all of a sudden what's happened is this one person who you would, I would say fits into the category of this rare breed, not only willing to not only, um, cause giving up a big payday for the big company and all that stuff, but forging it on their own, they've gone on and, and things are, things are happening there. But I think the big piece that, that, that started that whole thing was, um, they took time to say, this is not right. And this is, this is not what I signed up for anymore. And this is, I would like to see things go back. I, I have this vision. I have this idea of these values. I want to talk about the visions piece now, because I, it, we touched on it earlier before we started speaking, uh, recording rather, um, the idea of, of, of vision and, and taking time to have purpose and vision and, and values and, and, and all that stuff kind of intertwined within an organization. How, why don't you think organizations at large and small, or even people who are starting out on their own, why do they take enough time to sit down and figure this stuff out? And if not, why not? I, I don't, I don't think enough businesses do. I don't think enough people do. You can do this individually for yourself or you can do it, you know, for an entire organization. I think, I think this whole idea of what is our vision, you know, what, are, what do we see for the world? Mm-hmm. What is our purpose? Why are we doing this in the first place? You know, what are the values that guide us in our work? You know, those things, they're tedious, and they're frustrating and they're self-reflective and you have to allow yourself to the time to think about it. And we don't give ourselves time to do much of anything um, in terms of like I call that self-care, like to be able to define your vision, you know, and, and, and to, to think for a second about like, why am I doing this in the first place? Why is this important to me? What is my purpose? Like, what are the values that we have? Like that's caring for your business or caring for yourself in your own path, right? But we don't do that. Just like we have a tendency not to care, um, not to provide self-care to ourselves in other ways. So I, I think not enough companies do it, not enough individuals do it. Um, but when they do, you know, it's really one of the most effective tools that you can commit to to help guide your work. Mm. Because with a powerful purpose, you will be motivated to move, right? You'll be motivated to do something. With a clear vision, you know what you're striving to create. With a strong mission and a, in a, in a, you know, in a how behind all of it that drives it, you'll be able to bring your purpose and your vision into reality, right? So without knowing all that stuff, it just creates a ton of wheel spinning, and we tend to do things that are not on track with our vision, that are not aligned with our purpose, that have nothing to do with our values. And we start, 
you know, waking up one day going, what the hell, <laughs> what, what went wrong? Right. And it's because it's because you don't stop and think about why you're doing what you're doing and what you're trying to create in the first place. Um, and sometimes the ones that do, it's great, but it also, it's not sticky enough because all they do is they work on it. They put it in a word document or build a deck around it and then they file it away. Yeah, and it's like, <laughs> It's just, we know we have to do it because the business world tells us that we need a vision and a purpose and values and all this stuff. And we might put that stuff on our website, on our about page and, um, you know, whatever, and put it in our hiring guidelines and, and make sure the people that work here, you know, kind of read the statement. But it's, that's, oftentimes it's nothing more than that. It's not sticky. It's not something that's truly lived. It's not something that is repeatable and, or memorable, um, oftentimes when we're working with organizations and you kind of check them on these things, like everybody's got a different idea around it. It's up for interpretation. You know, you run into all kinds of headaches, um, and migraines when it comes to these types of conversations. So whole host of issues <laughs> that are related to not really nailing this stuff down. Well, and, and again, all of that stuff is more qualitative initially than quantitative, right? Like the idea of dealing with getting clear, like having awareness, you know, fostering intention, all those things, you know, focus. Those things, it's not like you measure those by numerically per se, right? No, right. no. And that's why they go on, on, you know, unadhered to or, or misunderstood or not even really thought of at all. Um, because you, there's no ROI on that. You know, if you think about your vision, what I'm doing in 20 years from now, like what, how is that affecting me right here and right now in this quarter, this week, this month, this day? Um, so a lot of people, I think, don't realize how all of the time that you spend is trying to, it should be anyway, in my opinion, leading you towards that, that greater goal, that thing that you want to make for yourself or make for your business, that legacy that you want to leave, right? And if we don't know what that is and we just start doing the work, and we're just, you know, inundated with our emails and our, you know, like our communications and like, you know, we're just checking all the fires that happen in our businesses every day or whatever. We don't have time to breathe and think about, about those really big, important things. How, uh, when, when we, doing the research for your book and in your work in general, um, the, this idea of saying no and saying yes to certain things. We're, we're going to touch this back to purpose and, and vision and such. Do you find that when people do this, they are far better, and not just be better at saying no or saying yes, but also um, uh, content or satisfied with the answers that they give? Well, I think that, um, I think it's all about intention, right? Um, and so... You know, when it comes to rare breeds, at least, and, and all of the work that we've done over the past three years and just writing the book and even the past 15 years and just studying, you know, what people are like and how we hold ourselves back and how we allow other people to hold us back. Um, all of it's so related and interconnected. Um, and I think that, you know, when it comes to rare breeds, I mean, these are typically people, rare breeds are typically people who are, are not compliant. You know, they're not predictable. They want to say yes to certain things and no, this is not me to other things. Um, but it's about taking action on that, that often gets 
um, you know, pulled, pulled down. It's, it's like, we don't act on the things that we know we need to do or want to do or desire for. And so we just get kind of watered down from it. But is that because they take, um, and I mean, again, this isn't, uh, you know, kind of, um, exclusive to rare breeds, but because they think it's, is it, is it such a big thought or a big thing that, that it seems just too big to even make a, take a step or is it, is it, uh, the fact that there's just a lot, a lot of outside forces that are preventing them or is it a combination thereof? I think it's a combination, but most of what I find is that it's an internal struggle. You know, it's this, it's this thing that happens in your own brain, right? That either by our experiences that we've had as kids growing up and where, how we were raised or who our friends were, you know, whatever, whatever the situation is, where we lived, what neighborhoods we were from, like what our culture was, you know, it's, it's really hard to separate yourself from the herd. It just is. It's, it sucks. It's painful. You get bullied. You know, it's, it's like just being that outsider is really uncomfortable for a lot of people. And so playing it safe and smoothing down their rough edges, as we like to call it, and just fitting in just helps them feel like, okay, I can, I can survive this way. I can, I can live like this. But what happens is you live like that for a little while, but then you start to realize like, who am I? You wake up one day and you're like, I, is this all there is for me? Like I, I thought I could be so much more. I thought I could do so much more. I have so much more to contribute that I'm just not allowing myself or I feel like no one else is allowing me to, you know? So it's this, it's the battle that you have to get over in your own brain that teaches you these things and that you're taught from external sources as well. It's a really sinister message that I think we're constantly up against um, and that we're fighting against. Um, But, you know, it's also, um, you know, Mel Robbins has that amazing five second rule, you know, and I, I, I love that because it's like, we do have choices. We can make our own decisions. It's just like five, four, three, two, one, let's do it. Let's act on it. And, and we don't, most people just don't take the action they want to do something, but they don't do it, right? And it's all just based in that fear. But if we can get over that, if we can start to do things that help us reach our goals and help us become the people and the humans that we that we see for ourselves and we spend our time doing things that we enjoy and, you know, ideas that we want to surround ourselves with, then you get closer to realizing more of your potential and really learning how to own who you are. Do you think that rare breeds, when they get home at the end of the day, they work, let's say they work a nine to five or they've, they've got their own business and, and they've, they're, they're going through the motions, let's say, and they get home, are they, do you find, or have you done work where you find how they are in their personal lives versus their professional lives? Uh, how, how, how to kind of reconcile those to, cause I think, uh, that people who, how they act at work sometimes is very different from how they act personally. And in other cases, it's just they're basically going through the motions in both. What have you found during the the research that you've done for your, for your book as well as with your work when it comes to rare breeds is how they interact, like how they live versus how they work. Like, are they, are they different? Are they the same? Yeah. You know, I think, I don't know. Everybody's got their own private <laughs> their own private universe. And sometimes you don't always see that. Right. So it's, it's hard to say, but you know, for the most, for the most time, what I find is rare breeds really live 
to their to their own beat in all aspects of their lives. They're they're really indistinguishable from their calling. So whether they're doing something that they're not really pumped about or they're in a job that's that's holding them back or whatever that may be, there's just something inside there that that is calling to them, you know, and they will act on it eventually if if they can and if they make the right call. Um, but I, I find that there's there's not much difference between who someone is at work and who someone is at home um, and being able to really just like embrace all of who you are in all of the various aspects of your life. Um, you know, we are who we are, whether we're, we're working or whether we're playing or whether we're their families, you know, I think that it's important to bring your whole self to all of those areas. Do you journal and do you recommend that people who, cause I think that's, this is something that I, I do. And I know that, um, I believe that this would be that, that kind of activity would be very helpful for a rare breed is to be able to because of those external forces. Um, so do you journal? And secondly, is that something that you would say to someone who is struggling with this kind of thing and saying, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, I know that, that I want to do these kind of things and, but things keep coming up and getting in the way, having this kind of chronicle that kind of reminds you of this, uh, I, I would think would be helpful. Is that something that you, you do? And, and that well, so I, so I don't have a journal, um, but I journal. <laughs> like I, I'm, I'm, I've always been a writer, right? So I write down my ideas. I write down my thoughts. I write down all kinds of stuff, but I do it in a little bit of a messy way. It's kind of not um, very systematic or very well organized in the form of a journal or a diary or anything like that. I write on sticky notes. I write on scratch pieces of paper. Um, I type notes into my iPhone. I've got things kind of all over the place, um, which is just kind of at times the way that my brain works as well. Uh, but I do think that's really effective for a lot of people because I just think it's important to get get out of your head um, what you're feeling, right? What you're thinking, what you want, what you need, what you're experiencing. Like it is really important to to just get it out of your brain and like let it out. Because I think when you let out what you want, you're, you're, you have more clarity around those types of things. And if you can analyze that in a way that is productive and it, it makes sense and it kind of continues to push you forward so you don't just get stuck in yourself, um, yes, I would highly recommend it if that's, if that's, uh, if that's important for you. Okay, so now there's a follow-up. So when you, you've got your stuff kind of in different areas – when you come across something that you you captured somewhere, uh, you completely forgot about it, and you see it. What, what what can you give me an example of something like that, or how does that feel when you see that? When you've uncovered something like that, or or rediscovered it because it's like, oh right, that thing. Yeah, well, because I have stuff all over the place, I'm constantly doing that. <laughs> but I also have like a rethrow. <laughs> Yeah. So I'm like, Oh, wow. Like, you know, I even take, you know, my, my camera is just the amount of photos I have. of just snapping like book covers. And, um, if I'm walking down the street and I see like a cool quote on the sidewalk or, you know, New York's got like, just, it's, it's such, it's such an amazing environment for spotting things that you don't expect. Place like that city is just so organic. <laughs> Yeah, it, it totally is. And so I'm constantly capturing things in that way and like kind of documenting everything. And so sometimes I'll, I'll find a, a, something on my phone and, and it will surprise me because I, I had, you know, I'd forgotten about it or whatever. So I, I love like getting back into those little aha moments. 
So as we get close to wrapping up, I, I want to uh, kind of touch on what's the most rewarding thing that you found with the work that you do at Motto uh, as well. Maybe it's a combination of these two things as well as, you know, getting this book finished and, and, and the process of putting it out there. What's been really rewarding to you and what's one thing that you think that rare breeds or people in general need to know about, you know, hey, uh, I, I've always felt like I'm a little different or that I'm not necessarily, you know, following the path I should be. Um, and I want to be that person that, you know, that is, you know, defiant and, and dangerous and different. Um, so let's let's touch on, you know, the most rewarding part of this whole process for you, your journey, and as well as what someone can do, like a simple action that they can take to start down that journey of, of being not just okay, but, you know, being embracing the fact that they are, you know, defiant, dangerous and different. Well, I mean, the, the, the most rewarding thing that I'm able to do with motto and, and hopefully through, through writing this book, I love the, I love seeing and witnessing the transformations that people are capable of. You know, I really like getting people unstuck from their place. Mm. Um, I think that there is just so much joy in seeing someone start to realize what they can do and who they can be and what kind of gifts that they have. I see a lot of people just like, you know, there's so much talent that's just wasted um, in, in many of us. Right. Um, and so I think when it comes to realizing that you, you're feeling different and you don't feel like you fit in and you've got all this stuff that you don't know where you're going and what to do with it and how to put the pieces together, how to make sense of it all, whatever it may be. You know, I think it's just, it's about like, you know, not suppressing yourself. It's a, it's about not suppressing your, your pain in the ass qualities or your quirkiness, your, you know, your weirdness, your rebelliousness, your, um, your audacity, like learning, learn to lean into it, really celebrate that. Let it, let it off the leash, so to speak. And I think if we can learn how to do that, we can start to become more of who we were born to be, right? Yeah. So owning, but owning yourself like that can hurt too, because it's 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 a it's like I think the rare breed life is not one of least resistance, right? It's not easy. It's hard, and not everybody is cut out for it, and not everybody does do it. But I think if you are a person who who feels a little stuck. You're eager to kind of shake things up. You want to put your stamp on the world. You want to do something. You want to impact other people in a bigger way. Then that's something that you have to do in order to realize that about yourself. Ashley, this has been fantastic. Thank you so much for uh, taking the time today to speak with me. The book is called Rare Breed, A Guide to Success for the Defiant, Dangerous, and Different. It's uh, co-authored by yourself and Sonny Bunnell. I'm going to pronounce that right, right? Didn't I? Did I pronounce that correct? It. Good. Um, where can people pick up the book? They can pick it up anywhere. So it's uh, thisisrarebreed.com is the book's website. And from there, you can catch it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Books A Million, anywhere that books are sold. Thanks so much for taking the time today to speak with me on the Productivious Podcast. Thank you, Mike. And there you have it. That's how the podcast went down. I'd like to thank Ashley for joining me on the show today. We had a lot to discuss and there was a lot of takeaways, a lot of you know, a lot of stuff mentioned. And if you want to take a bit of a breather 
and then go check out everything that the show had to offer at productivityist.com slash podcast 259. You can go ahead and do that now. And while you're there, maybe you can share the episode on social media, or if you're not subscribed already, you can do it from there as well. Or you can do it from wherever you are listening to this podcast. If you're listening to it on your Android device or iPhone, you could subscribe within the podcast app of your choosing. That way you can have access to the over 250 episodes in the archives, as well as make sure you're not going to miss a single episode that's going to be coming up every single week. So again, thanks for listening to the show. Thanks for for uh, sharing in this conversation. And thanks for spreading the word if you enjoyed the show. If you if you did enjoy the show, and even, you know, even if you didn't, I'm sure you did, um, share this podcast uh, far and wide. We want to get more people listening to the show. Uh, so thanks to you for, uh, for being part of this show. This is why I do the podcast for people like you. I also want to thank our sponsor for this episode, Blinkist. Blinkist is, again, an indispensable tool. I want you to take advantage of what Blinkist has to offer. So go to Blinkist.com slash timecrafting and get that seven-day free trial today. Start reading some blinks, listening to some blinks, and uh, you will uh, you, you won't regret it. There's just some fantastic stuff that Blinkist is offering, and I want to thank them for sponsoring the show. I'd like to thank NetSuite for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. Again, get their free guide, Seven Key Strategies to Grow Your Profits at netsuite.com slash timecrafting. Do that now. And again, thanks to NetSuite for sponsoring this episode. I want to thank John Polstra for producing this episode. As always, he is my podcast producer. Without him, this show does not happen. Without the rest of my small but mighty team, this show doesn't happen because the show notes and the imagery and all that stuff happens because of them. And the show definitely doesn't happen without you. So thanks to you for listening. Until next time, I'm Mike Vardy, the host of the Productivityist Podcast, reminding you to stop guessing and start going. See you later. Wait, I'm not done yet. I've got one more thing to share with you. Okay, if you listened to last episode, the one that I published last week, then you know I got a book deal. If you didn't listen to that episode, now you know I got a book deal. Mango Publishing is publishing a book that I am writing in the summer of 2020. And you can get updates and announcements and all that good stuff. I will show you my work in the immortal words of former guest Austin Cleon by going to productivityist.com slash book. You'll sign up, you'll get the latest updates, you'll get some special stuff, all that thing that you would expect to get around a book launch. We're starting that stuff now. So there's lots of stuff I can't wait to share with you. I hope you'll join me there. Productivityist.com slash book. Join me on my book writing and book publishing journey. I'd love to have you. I can't wait to get started. In fact, I'm going to go get started right now. I'm going to go back to the writing right now. I'm, I'm done this episode. You're done this episode. I can't wait to see you. I can't wait to see you on that list. I can't wait to send you this stuff. Productivityist.com slash book. I can't wait to see you next week listening to the podcast as well. So thanks for joining me today, okay? I'll see you later.